Shabbat Shalom. I'm going to just take a little swig, if you don't mind. Everyone's looking good. It's good to see your faces. With the old whistle. Um, a couple of things before we get going. One, I just want to um, encourage you and remind you to keep um, Rebecca Ackerman and her family in prayer as they're grieving the loss of Josephine. Um, what a wonderful uh, woman of God for a hundred years. And uh, what a blessing. Uh, but, you know, their hearts are heavy, and um, just keep them in prayer. Remember them uh, in your thoughts. We would appreciate that. Also, we want to take an opportunity to pray for our country and the world. As you can see, it is um, in trouble. But God is still on the throne, and that's the good news. So why don't you agree with me as I pray? We want to just ask heaven for divine intervention. Father, we thank you, God, that we could come and we could present our requests before you. And Father, we ask, God, for your mercy. Abba, we ask for your grace, Lord, your chesed and your achamim, God, to be upon this country. Lord, that you would grant us mercy even though, Lord, we deserve judgment. Father, that you would pour out, Lord, your ruach upon this land, that there would be a great awakening and a revival in the hearts of men toward you, toward righteousness, peace, and joy in the Ruach HaKodesh. God, we pray that you would quell, Lord, every spirit, Lord, breeding violence and chaos in this country and around the globe. Father, that you would intervene, God, Lord, by your mighty right hand. Lord, we look to you, God. Lord, we have nowhere else to turn, God, and the help of men are worthless. So, Father, we, Lord, appeal to your mercy. We appeal to your grace and your loving kindness. And, God, we say move in this earth, God. Take what the enemy has sought for evil and turn it for good, God. Turn it for the glory of Yeshua the Messiah. Lord, may the glory of the Lord fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Lord, we ask it in your mighty name. In Yeshua's name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know what? We're still here, 2,000 years, two world wars, right? Catastrophes galore, yet we're still here because God is still on the throne. And so we don't despair, but we put our hope and our faith in the living God. You hear that? He's alive, He's well. And so we look to him and we get encouraged. Amen? So pray with me for the message, right? Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. And that's what all it takes to hear from God, right, is a willing spirit to say, God, speak to me. You know, he is the living God, okay? We could have a conversation with God when we, when we say, God, speak to me, he will speak to us. So before we get going, I want to thank Rena for the fantastic job that she did presenting the word of God and ministering the word of God to this congregation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, she always does a great job, and we're grateful. I also want to thank the board 
and everyone who is a part of doing the ministry when we were gone. Uh, your, your labor and your efforts are invaluable, so we say thank you to you. Um, you know, it's really a testimony to God that, you know, the leaders could step away and things could continue on. We're grateful to God for the leadership here and for those who work so hard um, volunteering their time and their efforts and their prayers to see God's work go forward. So we are truly, truly blessed and grateful. Um, last week, uh, we started a series entitled Control-Alt-Delete. Now, we're all familiar with that. We have those little keys on our keyboard that you probably use often. Uh, and the first installment focused on being in control of yourself in every area of your life. Now, I don't know if you've noticed that the world is out of control, right? You can turn on the TV and see people absolutely out of control. Yet God, by his ruach, enables his people to be in control. Even in the midst of turmoil and chaos and despair, we can be in control of our lives, in control of our thoughts, in control of our emotions as we look to God. Amen? This week I'll be speaking about altering your thinking. And we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 4. I want to tell you, there is no more powerful principle in the word of God than this one. Because yes, God redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb of God, and that is awesome and wonderful, and we are heaven-bound in Yeshua's name. And that's a wonderful truth. Yet, most of us are going to live quite a bit of time here on earth, and we can either do it living victoriously, or we can live it being tormented day in and day out. We can live it either in joy in gratefulness, or we can live it in despair and depression. And I go for the former, don't you? So we're going to talk about altering our thinking. Some of us really, really, really need to grab a hold of this message. And it's going to take some work, some effort on your part. You're going to have to do some things. It's just not going to come to you, right? You're going to have to work at altering your thinking but when you do, the dividends will be great. Someone wrote this, what consumes your mind controls your life. Selah. What consumes your mind controls your life. Um, it's such an important truth. And during this season when we all have a little extra time on our hands, to contemplate the many things that we're seeing and hearing and feeling. Some people's minds are going wild. Some people are very discouraged and very depressed, very off. They're just not themselves. And a lot of it has to do with the way we're thinking. And God wants us to alter our thinking today. And we're going to look to the Word of God for some great reminders along these lines. Did you know, because, you know, ultimately, God wants us, you and I, to be the masters of our mind. Okay? 
He doesn't want the news broadcasters to master our mind or the images we see or even maybe the bad attitudes we experience as we live life. He wants you and I to be the masters of our own thoughts. Amen? With that said, the average person has more than 200 negative thoughts a day. That's a lot. Worries, jealousies, insecurities, cravings for forbidden things. Depressed people have as many as 600 negative thoughts a day. You can't eliminate all the troublesome thoughts that come your way, but you can begin to see them reduced and reduced and reduced as you put into practice the principles of the Word of God. Amen? <clears throat> the scripture, thankfully, is not silent on this topic. In fact, it has a lot to say about what we need to be doing in order to see our thoughts um, go down the proper lines, right? To be in check and not to be rampant and swayed by every wind of teaching, swayed by every visual we see, swayed by every article we read, but in control by the Ruach of God. This is particularly important for us today as there are many things that concern us and should concern us as Americans. There are many disturbing things going on in our country that are weighing heavily on the hearts and minds of everyday folks. Along with that, many people are concerned for being able to provide for their families as 40 million Americans are out of work. That's a lot. That's That's crazy. Along with that, if that wasn't enough, families and people are worried about the safety of their loved ones as they watch cities burn to the ground. And where we thought it was confined to cities, now it's bleeding out into the suburbs and you have people walking around with guns shooting people because their hearts are filled with hatred and violence. And so people are rightfully concerned. But I want to tell you, what we allow our minds to dwell upon makes all the difference in the world. And God wants to help us today to dwell on right things. I'm going to be giving a scriptural solution that will not only help us in this unusual hour in world history, but it'll also ground us in eternal realities. You hear that? Eternal realities, not temporal realities, because your temporal reality today is definitely different than it was five months ago. But there is an eternal reality that never, ever changes. And God wants us to be focused on those. So... With that said, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read um, a few verses from there, starting at verse 4. I actually have it split between, I just like a combination of two translations. So the first few verses are from the Passion Translation, and the last few verses are from the Complete Jewish Bible. So 
Let me read. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Selah. I know that the whole entire world has been in a really bad season for the past five months. But the scripture says to be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Shaul, when he wrote this, was in prison. The believers of his time were violently and viciously being persecuted. And he's talking about joyous celebration. Let me go on. Let joy overflow. Overflow means that you have too much. <laughs> that you have too much joy going on in your heart and life that it's just bubbling out of you and splashing upon everyone you visit. Now, take a step back, and I want, to, I want you to evaluate your own self. Is that you? And I'm going to say this. If it's not you, it's likely because of the things you allow to occupy your mind. The things you dwell upon. Because the scripture says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how can we possibly in the season of despair for most of the world live with overflowing joy? We're going to get into that. And it tells us in the next half of that verse, for you are united with the Holy One. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. I said this morning, we could drop the mic right now go home and digest what I just read for hours and have a full meal. I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, this is a man in prison. This is a man who's speaking to a community being persecuted violently. And he's talking about things like gratitude and overflowing joy. He must know some secret that we need to know about. Amen? Verse 7 says, when we do this, look what it says. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Yeshua the Messiah. A peace that transcends understanding. How could the world be going through what it's going through? How can I be seeing what I'm seeing and have a peace? 
Only if that peace transcends what I can physically and in my natural man understand, and it does. God's peace transcends the things we see, the things we feel, and even the temporal realities that are going on in our lives. So let's get to verse 8. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable, on some virtue or on something praiseworthy. Keep doing what you have learned and received from me, what you have heard and seen me doing. Then the God who gives shalom will be with you. So, the first thing I want to talk about today is be cheerful and joyous by turning to God. I can hear it now. Rabbi, how in the world can I be cheerful and joyful in this season with all the tension and pressure that's going on in my life and in the world? Many of us have been forced to be in close quarters with one another for months on end. And let me tell you, when we have those casual conversations with people, boy, we could sense the stress that's going on in your homes. And I want to say this, there's stress going on in my home. Because we're being asked to do and forced to do something that is unnatural. But that's a good question. How? But the scripture gives us the simple yet profound answer reminding us that we are united with the Holy One. How can we be cheerful and joyous only through our union with the Messiah? But here's a question. How close are you? How connected are you? How connected to the Messiah are you? Are you... Daily connected, weekly connected, monthly connected. How connected are you to God in reality? It's important for us in this season, if there were ever a season in your spiritual walk where it is time to draw near and nudge up close to God, it is this time. In order for anyone to go through life, let alone this current situation, and be cheerful and joyous, one needs to be connected to the source of joy. Right? So if I were to tell you that in order for an engine to run, it has to be connected to its fuel source, correct? You might have the greatest engine ever. Maybe you're green and you like a Tesla. If it's not connected to batteries, you could press on that gas, you could sit in that leather seat nice and comfy, turn on the radio, and you're going to get absolutely nothing. 
And in the same way, that joy and that cheerfulness comes through our direct connectedness to God through the Messiah. And perhaps you're watching today and you don't have any joy. Perhaps you feel like your heart and your family's in turmoil. I want to tell you that there is an answer for you, and that answer is to get connected to God through Yeshua the Messiah. It means that you have to repent of doing things your own way and trying to find peace and joy on your own and surrender yourself to God and say, God, I'll do it your way. I believe the testimony of your son. That's something I can't do for you, but you can do in the quietness of your home and heart. And when you do, I'm looking at people here this morning that their lives have been changed dramatically by connecting to the living God. God is not only very real and his presence tangible, God in himself is a destination. It says in Tehillim 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Where is there fullness of joy? Have you heard that promise from anyone else? Anywhere else. There is fullness of joy in God's presence. It's a fullness that is overflowing, that is not based on our circumstance, that's not based on the realities we see around us, that's not based on even the feelings that we sometimes feel contrary. There's a joy that seems to override even my own human desire to be miserable. Because I know it happens to me. There's something in you you want to be, but you can't. Because the Spirit of God that is within you overwhelms that and says, no, you have the joy of the Lord. But I like this translation of that verse. Check this one out. It's really good. Tehillim 1611 says in this translation, for you bring me a continual revelation of resurrection life, the path to the bliss that brings me face to face with you. I want to tell you that is the connection. You know, when everything looks dead, and perhaps when you are dead yourself, what is the only thing from there? Is resurrection life. God is the only person in the universe that could take something dead and bring it to life again. He can take a dead dream and bring it to life. He could take a dead relationship or marriage and bring it to life. God could take a dead situation and breathe resurrection life into it. God takes us when we decease and die with this natural body. And though it looks like we're dead, yet we're alive forevermore. So don't be fooled to think that these are platitudes. These are eternal realities that we get to either partake of and dwell upon through our connection with the living Messiah 
or we're going to ignore them for what CNN says or what your favorite paper says or for what your neighbor says or for what the skeptic says. No, I'm going to believe what God says and I'm going to stay connected to him and his joy that is going to overwhelm my heart is going to fill me with joy even though it looks like I should be in despair. Friends, that is a reality. That is exactly what the Shaliach Shaul is experiencing as he writes this letter. He's not in despair, yet he should be. So if you're here in person, watching on Facebook or YouTube or listening to the podcast, you can have a life filled with joy if you turn to God and make his presence a place that you frequent on a regular basis. And although you can get a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and albeit an expensive cup of coffee, and you could, you know, I don't know about now if they're open where you could sit at one of their bougie tables, And there are people that spend hours doing that. You'd do better, you'd be better off with spending your time in prayer to God and connecting to God so his overflowing joy can fill your life and spirit. Amen. You see, only Yeshua, only God has resurrection life to offer us. He's the only one that experienced it, right, firsthand and gives it to others. No one else and nowhere else can you and I go to find that type of life. We could find human life, we could find natural life, but we can't find supernatural resurrection life unless we go to God. And I want to tell you, spend time drawing closer to that place, to that secret place, to that place where there's a full measure of overflowing joy that God wants to get into your spirit. So here's answer this question in reality, in your own heart. Where is your joy level in reality? I don't want to know. <laughs> But where is your joy level in reality? And if you don't think it's quite where I'm describing it should be, that you would take time to draw closer to God, to make sure that connection is nice and tight, that the joy from the vine is getting into your heart and spirit. Amen? This is the first step in altering our thinking. Turn to God by turning your life over to him. And I want to say this, it's not only for unbelievers, there are many believers who are walking or trying to walk a spiritual life without really fully turning their lives over to God. They kind of, kind of turn their life over to God. They turn some of their life or a majority of their life. But let me say this, the more you turn over to God, the more joy you're going to have. So let me give you the second thing. Only three points today. Aren't you lucky? 
I didn't do five points. I only given you three. Number two is saturate your life in prayer. That's what we just read, to be saturated in prayer. When I'm talking about prayer, I'm not talking about you, you know, just davening in the corner. I'm talking about an ongoing conversation with God who's alive. He hears every groan that comes out of your mouth. And he hears every groan that comes out of your heart. It never makes its way out of your mouth. And I want to say this. It's good to be informed, to watch the news, kind of. And if you can find some truth on the Internet to keep yourself in the know, God bless you. However, there's no other way to keep yourself hopeful and your life moving in an emotionally healthy direction than to make prayer a regular part of your everyday life. Because I'm going to get, I want to get to talk to you about prayer today. Because if you're like me, this is how prayer works. You go in and you pray. And you know, you, whatever routine you happen to have, you listen to a worship song and you read some scripture and you start to talk to God and However long you do that for, you exit. And quite frankly, everything seems like it's exactly the same. And you do it again and kind of seems the same. And it looks like nothing has changed. And you might even come to conclude that, does this even work? And you start even to wonder if prayer is a thing or not. But I want to tell you that prayer is an activity that often gives the appearance that it's not working at times and it even feels ineffective. But I want to say this, that prayer is more like the antivirus on your computer. You know that thing that's always working, but it's not a program, you don't even go into the program, it's just working. It's working and it's rooting out deadly viruses that are going to destroy your stuff. And so it's finding them and quarantining them and removing them. And it's working behind the scenes and you don't even know it. Prayer is kind of like that. We pray and it seems like Nothing's changing, nothing's happening, yet God is moving behind the scenes. And yeah, you might not see it in a day or a week or a month, but when you look at your life after years of faithful prayer and you say, gee, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm cared for. I have what I need and I'm still serving God and, and I have a friend or two and and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm all right. And why is that? Because God is working in your life. Because if Hasatan had his way, you'd be dead the second you profess faith in Yeshua. But you're still here. Because God is answering your prayers. And we make a mistake by, gee, I'm not going to bother God 
Only with the big stuff am I going to bother him. But I want to tell you, you are, that scripture said, to take every detail of your life and talk to God about it because God cares about every detail. And when you're faithful to talk to God about every detail, he's faithful to get after every detail. And there's nothing too small in your life that God is unconcerned about. God is concerned about every detail, so tell him. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him the things that you need to happen. Talk to God through prayer and watch him behind the scenes work how he works and begin to influence your life. Second Chronicles, if my people which are called by my name, if, if, if is the key to that, that, that scripture, isn't it? If my people. Why does God say that? Because aren't we God's people? Of course God's people pray. I'll tell you what. You know what God's people do more than praying? Yeah, thank you. Complain. The scripture is filled with more complaining than it is with praying. But I'll tell you this, complaining is not fruitful. Prayer is. If my people who are called by my name, that's you and that's me, will humble themselves. Prayer is a place of humility. Prayer is saying, God, I can't do it. God, I'm broken. God, I'm weak. God, I don't have what it takes. God, I don't have the wherewithal. God, I don't have the resources. God, I'm bereft of hope without you. That's a place of humility. And saying, God, I need you to intervene in my life. If we'll do that, if we turn from our wickedness, it says that God will answer us. And this context is a promise to a nation that it'll heal our land. If you think there's no hope for America, friend, you're wrong. If you think there's no hope, you don't have, you don't have a relationship with God. As long as there is a God in heaven and as long as his people live on earth, and are faithful to do what we're supposed to do, there is always hope. And I want to tell you, we need to stop complaining about the things we see and start praying about the things we see and allow God to change it. Yohanan Allah 5.14 says, And this is the confidence, say confidence, that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us with the implication that if he hears us, he's going to act on our behalf. How great is God? How great is God, but yet we run to so many things other than God. So many people, so many sources other than God, they're a waste of time. Tehillim 66, 19, but truly God has listened and he has attended to the voice of my prayer. 
that's the confidence of people who are connected to God and have turned their life over to God and who saturate their life with prayer. And that's our second point. So we, we, we're joyous, right? Because we turned our life over to God. We're connected to God. And we're able to have hope because we've altered our thinking because we started to saturate our life. Hear the word saturate. Saturate is not if I take a little drop of water and put it over my head. I'm not saturated, right? It's I am drenched, okay? Saturate your life in prayer. Guys, you can pray on your way to work, on your way home. You can pray while you're working. What I mean by that is talking to God. Hey, God, in your heart, have an ongoing conversation with God. You saw a fiddler on the roof, right? Didn't he have an ongoing conversation with God as a milkman? He had an ongoing conversation with God. And we can do the same. Let me give you the last thing. Master your thoughts. Yeah, just, just. It's a direct command. Master your thoughts. In conclusion, brothers, sisters, focus. Focus. The word meditate. Focus. Your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable, on some virtue or on something praiseworthy. Oh, they're talking about the news, right? Right? They're talking about your neighbor, your workmate. That's where, that's where you get that, right? Wrong. <laughs> the best way to keep negative ideas... And unfruitful thoughts out of our minds is to concentrate on things that are good, pure and beautiful. I just, I've been reading a book uh, about Jonathan Edwards. Anyone knows Jonathan Edwards? He was the, you know, the leader of the America's Great Awakening. Okay, and known as America's greatest theologian, Jonathan Edwards. I, but when you read Jonathan Edwards, he's known for his doctrine of beautification. What do I mean by that? I just read a paragraph that, that big of Jonathan Edwards, and he said the word sweet and beautiful about 40 times. The sweetness of God, the beauty of his splendor, the magnificent sweetness of his presence. I mean, he went on and on and on, and you could just... Since after reading that paragraph that this man knew God. Focusing on what? The nasty, ugly world. Remember when he lived, he died in 1758. You know what's going on in America at that time, right? This is pre-revolutionary you know, you know, war. A lot of things are happening in the country Wink, wink. And what is he seeing? The beauty and majesty of God. The sweetness of God's presence. The glory of his splendor. Focusing on right things. 
The mind cannot be entirely at rest, and it's not blank. Hence, the exhortation is given to think about right things. We are to be occupied with the scriptures, with loving attitudes and holy desires. We must look and think only on worthy things and meditate primarily on that which is of a good report. To praise rather than criticize is our first duty. To allow the Ruach HaKodesh to permeate our being, to think good thoughts toward others and toward our world. To take every thought captive, those thoughts that come, those negative thoughts, to push them away. And if we do that, like our Savior Yeshua, we too will then go about doing good, like Acts 10.38 said he did. There's a story of a college girl who was a fine scholar, had a noble spirit, volunteered to be a counselor at a girls' camp, and despite her abilities, she was required to peel potatoes in the kitchen. Now, she was a top-level scholar, and so she's peeling away potatoes in the kitchen, and the person running the kitchen said, you know, it's such a shame. You're so intellectually gifted and talented, and yet you're here peeling potatoes. And she said, well, I might be here peeling potatoes, but that's not what I'm thinking about. And that's the point we're making. Wherever you find yourself in life and the situation and circumstances that present themselves, you don't have to be dwelling upon them. You could be dwelling upon the better things, godly things, goodly things, the promises of God, the revival he wants to pour out, your workmate that he wants to save, your family that he wants to bless, the person he wants to heal, the life he wants to touch in you to be a conduit of his blessing and glory. If we think about these things, guess what? We're not going to be in despair. We're going to be in a glorious place with a God who loves people and loves this planet. That's life-changing. Someone said it this way, you're not what you think you are, but you will become what you think upon. You're not what you think you are, but you will become what you think upon. That girl decided, I'm not going to think upon this menial task of peeling potatoes. I'm going to think about my glorious future in God. I'm going to think about, I mean, what do you think God, let me ask you a question. What do you think God's thinking about right now looking down on the world? Do you think he's saying, oh my gosh, Gabriel, this is a mess. Oh, I have Ajita, Gabriel, Michael, what are we going to do? This is a horror show. Is it? No. God is filled with hope. And life and joy is just looking for the next person to come and say yes to the Messiah. He's just looking to rejoice with the next person set free by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. God's cheering on his people. And then Kehilah saying, go for it. Live the life I created you to live. Be the people I created you to be. 
He's not walking around bemoaning things. He is filled with optimism and joy. The Greek word logosomai, in this context, to meditate upon, it means this, to let your mind continually dwell on these things. Matter of fact, Rav Shaul, the Shaliach, loved this verb, and he used it in other places in the Brit Kaddishah, about continually, to be focused, continually on good things, pure things, lovely things, excellent things. Think of a few now, praiseworthy things, things that are of a good report. If you, were to, if you would fill your mind with those things, you'd be a changed person. So we're encouraged to think upon and fill our minds with things that are true. What's true? Yochanan 114, the word became a human being and lived with us and we saw his Shekhinah, the Shekhinah of the Father's only son, full of grace and truth. So Messiah is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is truth. So what do we need to do? How do we focus? We focus on the life of Yeshua on the person of Yeshua, the things he did, how he acted, how he inter... How did Yeshua interact with a sinful society? And if we focus on him and his life and his actions, guess what? We'll be pointed in the right direction for our lives. Yochanan 17, 17, set them apart for holiness by means of the truth. Your word is truth. So he said it today, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's the truth. But yet some people refuse to think on good things. They refuse to think on the word of God. And unfortunately, we're going to suffer the consequences for the things we choose to dwell upon. I mean, do you see what you have? I mean, in the first service, um, the Sonbuchners were here with the two little guys, the two little kids. About what? How blessed is that family? I'm seeing the Seisteros family, one and one. Okay, they got they got two right there. Um, how blessed are they? How grateful, right, to God that God is doing these awesome things in our midst. How good is he? How awesome is the living God? That he looked down from heaven and he decided he's going to speak to my dirty heart and call me out of darkness into his wonderful light. How blessed am I? How blessed are you? Imagine if we woke up every morning thinking about that versus complaining about some other junk that's going on. So here we see that the word of God contains truth, so we must fill our minds with God's eternal truth and flush out the lies and the falsehood of worldly philosophy and secular modes of thinking. Friends, that's all you get on TV and in the world 
It's just humanistic philosophies and secular thinking. We're surrounded by that all the time. It's just secular thinking. It's just human philosophies, and it's not the word of God. It's not the power of God. They don't even believe in the power of God. When we talk about God, they think we're crazy. That's okay. They might think we're crazy, but we're the same ones. <laughs> I remember once, before I was a believer, I thought we were crazy too. <laughs> I used to say, my gosh, these people are crazy. Walk in the room, they're all waving their hands at the ceiling. That's crazy. Singing. I mean, what is that? That's craziness. Those people are nuts. Well, when I got connected, I said, oh, that's not crazy. That's good. That's the real thing. They never told me that. I'm not going to take time to go all through all these things. I just want to say this. You can read that for yourself. By the way, I encourage you, what are you going to read this week? Why don't you read Philippians 4 through 8 and really take it in. Really take it in. Not just blow through it, but take it in and say, God, help me do these few verses. See, people like rabbis and pastors and public speakers and writers do a lot of listening and reading to find information, illustrations, and better ways to express truth. I personally take in and draw upon many sources to both stay informed and get fresh insights. What happens with all of this input? My mind processes it and it becomes a part of me. And then when I write or speak, it comes out to everyone else. So what you fill yourself with on your downtime ends up being that which comes out of you the rest of the time. And if you fill yourself with the philosophies of men and secular modes of thinking, what's going to come out of you is the philosophies of men and secular modes of thinking that are not fruitful. They're not fruitful. Look at the world. Look what it's produced. Can anyone prove to me that Earthly philosophies and secular modes of thinking bears fruit when I look at a world that is in absolute chaos? No, you can't. But there is a people on this earth where you can find something worthwhile, and that's among the kingdom of God. And it's always been that way. A people like Shaul, who's writing from prison to a persecuted people and saying, be filled with joy, let that joy be overflowing, singing in his cell to the point where God is so pleased that he says, let me get out of heaven, get off my throne and get down into that cell and do something powerful. Throughout history, those are the people that got something going on. So I want to encourage you, my friends, don't be looking to the wrong things. Don't be dwelling on those things. Dwell on the sweet things of God. Everyone takes in vast amount of information every day. And living as we do in a world system with godless values, we are bound to take in a lot of garbage. 
What we can't avoid, we need to reject before it becomes a part of the way we think and act. If we fail to be discerning, our minds will be defiled. But if we find pleasure in what is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, these good qualities will be, become a part of the way we think, act, and speak. We can't avoid hearing bad thoughts and ideas, but if we process them through God's filter of truth and the person and life of Yeshua the Messiah, we can turn them around and use them for good. So I gave you three steps today, three steps to alter your thinking. One is to turn to God by turning your life over to God. So if you're listening or watching and have never turned your life over to God, friend, there is no other way to the things I'm talking about until you do that. And for the believer who might be 50% or 80% in, guys, turn your life completely over to God and let him do something wonderful. The second key is to saturate your life in prayer. Listen, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably have one or two arguments why you've been sequestered for the past four or five months. Maybe been annoyed once or twice at the kids. Maybe felt like pulling out your hair a couple of times. If you would have taken all of that energy that you used for that, those activities, which sometimes heat up a lot of time, and spent it in prayer, simply saying, God, could you come into my home, God, now? God, could you come and intervene with my son, with my daughter, with my job, with my situation, with my health, whatever, and talk to God about it? You'll be in a better situation and a better place. And lastly, not only do we have to turn to God, by turning our lives over to him, not only do we need to saturate our life in prayer, but we also need to master our thoughts. No one forces you to think anything. Thoughts come in, and it's your choice how long they stay. Some people have bad thoughts stay weeks or months. Others have learned, uh-oh, bad thought. Ooh, that's dumb. Getting rid of that one immediately. It's going into the trash bin. And I'm going to replace it with a God thought, with a good thought. The more you get seasoned at doing that, the more it's going to be seen in your life, the quality of life that you get to live until we all go home and be with the Lord. So those are a few thoughts no pun intended, on how to alter our thinking. Friend, I want to tell you that the battleground is really between your ears. That's where it's happening on a regular basis. It rages from the second you wake up in the morning to the second you go to sleep at night. And God wants you to master it 
and live in victory. Amen? So with that, let's stand to our feet. I will say the ironic benediction, and then you'll be dismissed by Rose. So appreciate your patience on that. Let me bless you. Listen, God wants you blessed. That's what, that's, he can only give you of who he is, and God is one big blessing, right? Yes, difficult things happen, but God is with us, and his very presence is fullness of joy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, I pray that the joy and the life of your spirit, God, would rest upon your people. Lord, that as they seek your face, God, fill them with overwhelming joy. Cheer their hearts, God, and help them, Lord God, through their weaknesses. And we ask you, B'Shem Yeshua, God's people said, Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening, and we'll do it again next week. <laughs>